Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have Mitch Weathers on the program today. He is the founder of Organized Binder, and he created that out of a need to support struggling students with effective tools. He realized the importance of content agnostic resources that could benefit students of all abilities. He began by embedding essential skills practice into his classroom routine, leading to improved student success and confidence. Today, Organized Binder is an evidence-based MTSS Tier 1 solution, creating structured, dependable learning environments. It offers content agnostic tools for goal-setting, reflective learning, time management, and so much more, aligning with UDL principles. And by collaborating with diverse educational institutions, Organized Binder empowers students and supports educators in implementing best best teaching practices under Mitch Weathers' leadership as the founder and CEO of Organized Binder. Uh, so Mitch, thanks so much for being on Transformative Principle. And what should people look forward to from our conversation today? Yeah, thanks for having me, Jethro. I think the biggest three, three takeaways stand out. We talked about families and wanting their children, young people to develop these executive functioning skills um, as they age. And that I really enjoyed our conversation about how focusing on executive functioning skills as a way for schools and school leaders to engage families uh, in a way that's not tied to content or content understanding, recognizing that I've, I've never met a parent or a teacher or a school leader that doesn't want their kids to hone these skills and get practiced with them. And then the third is we had a fun discussion about my upcoming book on this topic that's coming out in February. Yeah, we will definitely talk about that in just a moment. I think my big takeaway is that there is raising children is difficult and parents mm-hmm. need all the help they can get, but they don't need somebody saying you stink and this is what you have to do to be better. Mm-hmm. They need something that's accessible mm-hmm. to them. And while we don't talk specifically about that, really what you're offering here is an opportunity for people to access these kind of skills at any level they're at, doesn't matter where they're at, and they can apply it to their daily lives. And uh, you're going to talk about how to do that. Also, in just a moment, you'll hear about how how this book got started, which is kind of fun. And and that'll be good. So also make sure you check out the show notes for more information on where to get the book and things like that. And we'll get to our interview here with Mitch in just a moment. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am your host, Jethro Jones, and I'm so excited to have you here. We are continuing our parent engagement series here on the B Podcast Network, and there are so many awesome, amazing episodes for you to listen to about this topic. Uh, Please go make sure you check them out. And today we have Mitch Weathers, who's a a good friend of mine who's been on uh, the Resilient Schools podcast, which you can find at resilientschools.com slash 12. And this is, he was one of the first guests on that one. And what's amazing is that at the end, I said, hey, Mitch, you should write a book about this. And he <laughs> said, okay. And then he went and did it. So we're going to talk about his his book here. So Mitch, welcome to Transformative Principle. Great to have you. Thanks for having me here, Jethro. Always fun to chat with you. And thanks for the nudge. 
all those months yeah, ago. Yeah, it's crazy because looking, I mean, let's just take a moment and and determine how long this really took you because this is pretty powerful. So Monday, December 19th, 2022 was when you and I had that interview. Wow. That was less than a year ago from the time that we're having this interview now. And Hello. here you are ready to promote your book. When does your executive functioning book come out? It uh, Publication date is February 15th. Okay, so it'll be out in just a couple of weeks from when this goes live. But here's the amazing thing. In just over a year from the time you decided to do it, it's coming to life. And that's a pretty exciting thing. So congratulations on achieving that milestone. That's a big deal. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. It, it was quite the journey. You know how time is. It, it felt like it took forever, but it was a blink of an eye at the same time. Yeah. But yeah, I signed right in and around that time when we were chatting in December, we finalized, I signed with Corwin, who's publishing the book and had to have my manuscript done by the summer. And you know, we've been back and forth, still are going back and forth because, you know, of course, we have until February, but it's here. Yeah, yeah I'm super excited. Yeah, very exciting. So tell us the title of the book, Mitch. Executive Functions for Every Classroom. And the subtitle is Creating Safe and Predictable Learning Environments, Grades 3 through 12. Okay. So, so there's a lot that goes on in this. You can definitely go check out the Resilient Schools podcast, episode 12, where we talk about it, resilientschools.com slash 12. But we want to go into a specific piece here, which is the parent engagement piece, because there's a lot of things that we could talk about and that you're going to be talking about on other podcasts as well. So three keys for teaching executive functioning, executive functions, which are clarity, routine, and modeling. Uh, there's goal setting that we could talk about, um, but we're going to focus our conversation today on the family engagement piece. So there's a whole bunch more to this, and we're not going to like go through everything just so we can get to parent engagement. We're going to kind of focus it in on that piece. So let's start by talking about how executive function being taught explicitly in the classroom, being modeled, how that helps with family engagement to start. Yeah. Okay. I love this topic because I do think focusing on executive function allows schools and or teachers to invite or engage families in their child's education in a way that's not tied to content, which I think is important. And the first thing, if we back up just a little bit, you'll hear me talk a lot about teaching executive functions. But what I've learned now in over a couple of decades of doing this work is they're actually not taught. They're what I like to say is they're best learned when students clearly see them modeled. That's the clarity and modeling piece. And they get daily practice employing them or using them by virtue of engaging in a predictable routine. And if parents and family members are um, introduced to and aware of that routine and the modeling, then supporting that work from home becomes entirely possible. So it's more about bringing them into the process and having them, one, hold students accountable for participating in the routine, but also um, supporting them in engaging in that work. Like you had mentioned goal setting. Specific to the routine and the executive functions that I outline in the book, and there's six, and goal setting being one of them, 
time and task management, organizational skills, working self-regulation and accountability. And, you know, when you think about those skills, we can just focus on goal setting as you brought it up. I've never met a parent who doesn't want their kid to practice goal setting and get better at it and figure out like, how do I hone this down into a, an actionable daily task, something that's going to, that I can take action on today. But when students get the chance to do that within the grade level or the context of what they're learning, so this is not a curriculum that teachers are equipped with. Now, if if students have identified that daily task, then for example, I can invite the family or the parents to check in on that. Are you doing your daily tasks? How's that going? And and therefore students are going to be more successful. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems like a duh, no brainer kind of point, right? (laughs) And it seems like we should totally understand that and get that. And yet we have some struggle with it. And so I want to back up just one step because I, I remembered that I interviewed Alexis Reed on the Resilient Schools podcast also, and she talked about executive functioning as well. So you should definitely go on her podcast and talk more about this also. And she, she said that executive function is the behaviors related to the cognitive skills related to help us get things done, especially efficiently. And so that was how she defined executive function skills. And then she talked about inhibition, working memory, cognitive flexibility, and how it's not just about learning, but it's also about living. So I'll put a link to Mm -hmm. her episode in here in the show notes as well, so people can go listen to that. But when I think about it in that context and with what you said, there is not a parent out there who doesn't want these things for their kids very badly. In fact, especially in the grades three through 12 age, that is almost exclusively what parents want is that kind of awareness, support, ability to do things. And so, so you mentioned this idea of if parents are informed of the routines, then they can be more helpful. So talk about, let's talk about some of those routines that would be beneficial for parents to be involved in and how we can help teach those to the students and teach those to the parents so that it's not a, here's this task that your kid hates doing that you must force them to do because that's not going to work. How do we make that something where it's like, oh, this is enjoyable and worthwhile, even if it is difficult? Right. Good point. And that's worth highlighting that when, you know, parents are trying to teach these executive functioning skills at home, I've often had conversations with parents, maybe this is a better way to say it, that it just turns into kind of a battle. So the key here, I believe, is it comes down to that modeling and the routine together. And that's what I really think brings about clarity. Um, And if anybody knows me and my work around Organized Binder, one of the, one of the, I mean, the main reason for this physical, tactile, color-coded binder is I can very clearly model executive functioning skills. So by virtue of the routine, for example, we start class or the school day at this one specific place and it actually has a color. So I can see that I have nonverbal visual cues all over the classroom about where I need to be in order to gauge, engage with the learning community when we begin. And then we make that transition to the next step of the routine and it actually can be, it doesn't have to be, but can be a separate color or location in that binder. And so 
because there's a class sample, this is always being modeled for students every day. And what you'll learn if you, if you do pick up a copy of the book is the beginning and ending routine is all about retrieval practice and reflective learning, right? Which is what you'll hear and read in the book that I refer to as kind of like flexing our working memories. But for families, just for example, like if you want to see what your kid is learning and reflecting on and how they're communicating that to the teacher, it can be right there. Like they, they're not asking them to do that. They can just have insight into their reflections. Or if you want to see what we did today at school or in class, like specifically, and I can say as a parent, oftentimes I'm like, what did you do today? Like, what do you need help with? Like what actually happened? Do you have any homework? Right? So all of those things being very explicit, here's a table of contents. So if you want to see your child's work and their progress during this unit, here's their toolkit. These are things we're going to use throughout the school year. First thing you're going to see when they open up that portfolio is the, their goals, this goal color, and it has a daily action item. And We're reviewing them constantly and looking for evidence. So all of that's happening in the class. And if I invite parents or family members into that, it's not that battle. It doesn't become something they, the students necessarily, you know, not wanting to do with the kid. Like, for example, we'll stick it, keep it with goal setting. Like, kids gone to school all day. They're coming home. Maybe they have some homework. I'm not a, a huge fan of homework, maybe for a little bit of practice. But now well, they're going to sit down with clear, their parents. very much not a yeah. fan of homework on this podcast. And I've said numerous times that it is unethical for schools to give homework but that's a whole nother discussion. But that's right. why I'm asking the question that I'm asking, because we don't want it to be a fight, right? We want it to be exactly. something that we can do and grow together. So sorry to interrupt, but continue. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you on that, right? And then we've historically made the grave mistake of using homework as a formative assessment, which we know is inequitable and unreliable. And I talk about some of that in the book too. But yeah, we're kindreds on the homework thing for sure. It, the word I'm using is inviting families in. It, it's kind of almost like a showcase. Like a student can say like, here's these things. I'm, you know, To them, it's like, hey, here's my portfolio. Here's my work for the unit. Here's my goal sign. But if you step back and look at what each of those steps in that routine require, it requires the use and the practice of these skills and habits, right? And that's what I mentioned earlier. It's not equipping teachers with a curriculum that they somehow have to find time to teach. Teachers don't have enough time in the first place to get through what we're tasked with teaching. So where are we going to find time, even if we want students to develop these skills? They're not. So, but if I have a predictable learning routine, which I believe creates safer learning environments where students are more likely to take risks inherent to learning. And by virtue of that routine, which does not interfere with my content instruction, my instructional time. If by virtue of that routine, students get practice with these while creating this portfolio, wow, I've created a powerful way to invite family members into that process. And one of the executive functions in the book is accountability. And we have to recognize accountability is kind of two things, something that adults do for young people in terms of holding them accountable and something that young people learn to do with practice holding themselves accountable. So although it is this kind of showcase, like here's what I'm learning and inviting families into that process, we can also be on the same team in terms of holding students accountable, which of course we know is important yeah. as well. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So I want to just highlight a little bit of this. My family has, we've set goals as a family for years, probably since Mm -hmm. like 2015 or 16, something like that. Now, I think it's been even longer. It's been a very, very long time. And and it's been incredibly powerful to set goals as a family. We do it every single week and we set week-long goals for that week. And, you know, this started with my kids when they were very young. So more than like more than a week was really tough. And even a week was tough. But we've been right. doing it for a long time. It's incredibly powerful. And what's so amazing is we as the parents, we don't care what the kids' goals are. We care that they're setting goals and that they're being held accountable for it. So being held accountable doesn't mean that there's a punishment if you miss or that there's a reward if you succeed or anything like that. It just means that we're going to we're going to check next week when we set goals again whether or not you did your goal. And there's no like like I said no punishment right. or anything. It's just that accountability of did you or did you not accomplish your goal? Because we don't really care what the goals are as evidenced by sometimes the goal is I'm going to play Minecraft for at least 30 minutes every day this week. Sometimes that's the goal, but other times the goals are incredibly powerful. And it's like, I'm going to uh, sit by a friend at school that never has anybody sitting by him. I'm going to sit by that person every day this Mm -hmm. week or something like that. And it's like, man, that is powerful. That's a, an amazing goal that you're going to like go out there and do something special for someone else. Really awesome thing that my kids have done over the years and really ridiculous things that they've done too. But the thing is because we have built that routine and that practice, the kids are taking bigger risks and, uh, and making different things, which is what you're talking about with it being safe for them because it's organized and predictable. They know we're going to do this every week. So they know I should be thinking about this. They're not surprised, even though regularly on the weeks, they're like, I don't know what my goal should be. And it's like, we've been, we've been doing this every week for five, six years. You should know that we're going to do this again this week, but still it's a really powerful thing. What do you, what does your experience have to say to, to that uh, story that I shared? When you can bring goal setting, cause goal setting, I mean, if we're, we'll focus on this, but let me back up from goal setting, just executive functions in general, getting practice with them in by virtue of a predictable routine in a no stakes way like it's not going to negatively impact my course performance i'm just practicing these things which looks very different than a curriculum or a lesson or a unit on goal setting and the importance of goal setting or it looks very different than handing a student a calendar or a planner like a personal planner and magically expecting them to know how to manage their time Mm -hmm. or giving them a binder and that equates to organizational skills. Those are all great resources and tools, but if I don't see them modeled and like learn, watch how it's done and then practice it over and over and over, I'm just less likely to make those my own. Right. It's all about the messiness, like goal setting in as described in my book is the guiding word is singular. Like let's pick a goal, one goal, Don't give me like a laundry list of things. Just let's pick one, right? And then break it down. What's one? Then there's a sub goal, which is, okay, how am I going to accomplish that? Let's just keep it very general. It's like my goal is to 
past this class or grade level, let's say. Okay, what's the one thing that's going to help you do that? We call that the sub-goal. And then backing up from there, even one step further, is the daily task, that action item of saying, okay, what is it that I can do today that's going to help me? Let's say, for example, my goal is to be successful in this class. If I, you know, keep myself organized or I study my notes or whatever the student might come up with, great. Like you're saying, it's not about what it necessarily is. It's the process. And then the daily task. And what I like to say to students all the time is when and where. Like, okay, let's say you, you plan on looking over your notes. When and where? Because once you define that, now you've painted the gray areas black and white. There's an action for you to take. And all of us that are on your team can encourage and hold you accountable. But then that's just setting them and acting on them. And now we're going to try to see what impact that's having on my academic performance in school, if it's an academic goal, right? And the point to that you made with your family, Jethro, with your kids, is that it's not right or wrong, good or bad. I got it. I didn't. It's, did I accomplish this goal by engaging in this daily task? Yes or no. And I describe this in the book. It's a something we actually plan for that reflection time. What is the evidence in either direction? Oh, I didn't. Well, I wonder why. Okay. So do I need to adjust this part of my goal or maybe my action item, my daily task is I missed the mark on that. Or maybe, man, I nailed that. I'm going to focus on a new goal or it's, it's that process, that no stakes practice that students are getting by virtue of this routine in the classroom. And all of this is happening within the context of what they're learning, whether it be the subject or grade level, right? And I do think your point of like, we do this each week as a family. So it's in the context of like the life you're living, setting goals, for example, in my seventh grade math class, and then getting to work on my seventh grade math class, and then periodically looking for evidence and whether or not it's working Am I accomplishing my goal is far more powerful and engaging for students than a lesson on goal setting yes. or a curriculum yeah. on goal setting. You know what I mean? Where we, there's a, not a subtle difference there, but my experience previously has been like, oh, here's this curriculum and we'll put it in like a homeroom or an advocacy or, and you see that with SEL curriculum sometimes. And it's just less engaging than actually doing the stuff within the fabric and context of what I'm learning. Yeah. Yeah. And man, that's so powerful because that's exactly what we know. And that applies to everything else, by the way, not just something that is not an academic skill. That applies to math and English and art and science and everything. If it's actually something real that you're using that matters to you personally, then it's going to be a better learning experience than the alternative, which is just a lesson saying, here's this thing that the teacher made up. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And, and that I think is something that we really need to pay attention to and bring more of to our schools so that our kids have these real experiences that actually matter. So let's talk about mm -hmm. doing these executive function skills in partnership with the family. What does yeah. that look like at a practical level? Yeah. Well, if I could, and this book is not about organized binder, okay, this program I designed, but of course it's, it is part of it because <laughs> that whole thing is about clarity, routine, and modeling. That's what organized binder, the program is about. 
And part of that, and, and there's, I write about it in the book as well, there's actually a guide for families that goes home and explains the whole routine and process. So it's not even subtle. Say, like, here's how we begin. Here's how we transition. Here's where students will store and how their schoolwork. Here's where their toolkit is. Like it's like talk about clarity and being hyper explicit so that families know exactly where those pieces are to be. And then that routine. So in our guide for families, there's actually prompts for the family for each step of the routine to try to take that conversation and know these universal questions we ask students, our children, I should say, if you're a parent, it's like, well, how was school today? Did you have any, do you have any homework? Is there anything I can help you with? You know, did you learn anything? To which, like, I'll just speak of my middle schooler right now, who's in eighth grade. And yeah, it was cool. It was fun. You know, we did mostly social stuff come out, which she stoned her friends. And, you know, inevitably, do you have any homework? No, I don't have any homework. You sure you don't have any homework? No, I don't have any homework. Okay. And then at nine o'clock at night, when we're about to go to bed, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to get this thing done. And I'm like, well, I asked you at four o'clock in the afternoon if you had any homework. Yeah, this isn't homework. This is this thing that I need to do. And in her mind, she had categorized it differently. And I kind of feel a lack of clarity there because I don't know what you did. And I'll tell you, it's been really interesting for me because my daughter, her middle school teacher implemented this routine, these strategies. And I can tell you what, sitting down to help my eighth grade daughter with her math and having all of her assignments and her notes and her everything neatly organized that we can access while we're doing that together is so empowering for her. It's very nice for me. It's like, let me see your notes. Let's get some context. But you can just sense that she's starting to hone this organizational skill and it's all right there. And it sets us up for success at home in a way that I can be honest, we didn't have mm. in the past. So in terms of how it helps at home, there's just, there's something settling about us being able to pop open her math binder and I can see her goals that she set in that class. And I can see what they did that day because there's an agenda. There's like a little log that shows. And if there is any next steps or practice outside of class, that's stuff I'm helping her with. And then we can turn to those things. So it's, it really helps engage families in the process. If that makes yeah. sense. And it really makes it clear for them to see exactly what they need to know and be paying attention to. And it makes it easy for the kids to find what parents would be looking for. Right. So this whole mm -hmm. communication uh, issue that arises with students and their parents can really be taken care of because they're not having to rely on just what's in their head. They have a system that shows here's where everything is and here's all the information, which is incredibly right. powerful for kids to experience. Right, right. Yep, you nailed it. Yeah. So uh, in closing... What is one piece of advice that you would give parents or that you would give school leaders in working with parents on these executive functioning skills? Well, my, my first bit of advice, and I just had this conversation with a leader who reached out last week and wanted a curriculum to embed into a homeroom class around executive functioning skills. And 
I would just encourage school leaders to really pause and think about what it might look like not to teach these skills, but to give students exposure to them it within the context of what they're learning, which is pretty unique. But I would encourage you to ponder that because for the school leader, and again, I'm not saying this is the only way it happens, but it often gets put into like a homeroom or a support or an advisory class. And let's just be honest, like students tend to perceive those as not like real class, real school. Not that that's a bad thing. It doesn't mean that it's not helpful and useful, but if you're already kind of, if you're really seeing the need, and I can tell you as we're easing out of the pandemic, dysregulated behavior is kind of on a high right now in classrooms. And it's these skills and habits that can really settle and lay the foundation for learning. So if you're, if you've acknowledged that and you're like, wow, we really want to bring this work to our school, I would just encourage you to think about a curriculum versus students actually getting a chance to really do them yeah. because when they do, then you have that way to engage families because it's, they're creating evidence of their engagement and practice with these skills. And like you mentioned right at the beginning, grades three and up, like that's the stuff that parents are hoping their kids start to develop, right? Yeah. Um, these kind of more independent and self-regulated learning skills, which are these executive functions. So giving them practice with it, creating the evidence of, and then inviting family members into the process, from my experience, is a very powerful potion for success. Yeah. So for the families, you just mentioned, what about fam- if, you know, family members or, or people that are listening out there? You know, if your school is not doing this work, um, it can happen at home. And we work with individual family members that'll reach out. This is kind of more on the organized binder stuff. And there's just some slight adjustments that can happen that can be really helpful for students to start to develop these skills. And it usually all starts in that context with just let's get ourselves organized. How can we Get everything, you know, I like to say, if everything has a place where it lives, it's more likely to find its way home. That's right. And that can be a good starting place. And then we start easing into time management and goal setting and some of these others. Yeah. I hope that's yeah, helpful. I think so. I just appreciate you, the work that you're doing, everything that you bring to the table. So Mitch Weathers, Organized Binder, definitely go check out what he's got to offer there. And the book one more time, Mitch, plug the book one more time where people can get it. Yeah. Okay. It's executive functions for every classroom, creating safe and predictable learning environments, grades three through 12. If you are in North America, you would go to, it's very simple, organizedbinder.com slash book. That's it. Okay. And if you're outside of North America, I think the most, the easiest way to pick it up would be through the Corwin site itself. Okay. And of course it's available through the Corwin site in North America as well. Publication date is not till February. I'd be super honored and humbled if you pre-ordered a copy now. We're doing some fun stuff, Jethro, with districts and schools that are doing book studies this spring, I'm getting bulk orders, and then we're going to be doing basically a book study where we're going to check in every so often via zoom as the staff is making their way through the book so that's kind of fun definitely go pre-order it so you got it ready to go organizedbinder.com slash book mitch thank you again so much for being part of transformative principle
Thanks, Jethro. This was fun. Appreciate it. Edited by Gage Sanderson.